Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry here with me as well. It's Friday, January the 15th. Hope you are all enjoying uh, the end of your week. Hope you all have a great weekend. Thank you for being here with us. We're going to talk uh, a lot of NFL today because that ties into a lot of SEC stuff. Uh, things happening at Alabama. LSU still looking for a defensive coordinator. Um activity at Tennessee with Kevin Steele and and still talk about what could possibly happen there. Um, and then there's uh, ramifications for all of those moves. Things could impact things at Missouri, at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss, and the list just goes on and on and on. So we'll, we'll talk about all those things today on the show. We'll also preview the NFL divisional playoffs. Those get started on Saturday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday, as the NFL pairs its way down to the Final Four. Uh, Chris, how are you? Neil, doing well. Um, busy. You mentioned uh, a lot of reasons why uh, coaching search stuff is is busy and heavy. We had, um, you know, a hiring last night as Robert Sala, the first, you know, big domino to fall and uh, along with Urban Meyer. So we got two head coaching hires as well as a GM hire with the Lions. So we'll start to see some movement. And as we get some teams eliminated from the playoffs this week more, um, it'll it'll matriculate even more along those lines, um, and a lot of movement in college. Obviously, with the championship game, Sark officially going to Texas, and the assistant moves, Kyle Flood, which we've talked about, um, moving over. Um, so a lot of stuff. Now we've got you know I know we'll talk about Urban Meyer a little bit, and maybe yep. staff there, and so it's very very hectic, very very busy because as you kind of mentioned, there's a lot of cross pollination with the NFL and college, and not only in terms of players but in terms of coaching, and we're seeing more and more of that and staff uh, procurement. So busy time and uh, craziness still up on the hill in Knoxville. I mean, uh, gosh, you got so many directions to go. Can't wait to get after it. All right, let's let's start with Urban Meyer because I, I, that's that's the big national story, and obviously the former Florida coach, former Ohio State coach, a guy who has won everywhere he's ever been, Utah, but he's never been in the NFL. And the NFL, as you and I talked about on Tuesday, is a different animal than than the college game. Um, I think you thought in the end this probably wasn't going to happen. I think you I did not. I didn't think it was going to. Let, let me interrupt you. I didn't think it was going to happen yesterday morning when the reports came out. It was one of those. And what I mean by that is I got to see it to believe it. I thought this would be take you to the altar. I've seen Parcells do this twice, mainly to the Bucks and New Culverhouse. I thought this was I still am a little bit. I'm. I, I'm fairly confident it's going to happen now. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I'm still not 100% convinced. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes guys like like Urban Meyer, they just can't get out of it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm good friends with former Ole Miss basketball coach Andy Kennedy. He's the head coach at, at UAB now. And when Andy left Ole Miss, he did a couple of years of TV, and the truth is he was absolutely fantastic at it. And uh, he and I would talk here and there, and I would say, man, you're killing it on TV, and he thanks, but he missed coaching. He missed that getting up in the morning, getting ready for a game, preparing your team, building a program, all of that stuff. Urban Meyer, there's nothing left for him to prove as a coach, certainly not at the college level. He was out. He was doing great TV work at Fox. I mean, he's terrific television, just fantastic at it. And yet 
here's this guy, and he's had some health issues and, and some things like that. And earlier this fall, you and I talked about Texas and their overtures towards Urban Meyer, and he ultimately just declined. And yet, here's the Jacksonville Jaguars, first pick in the draft. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. You're going to build a, a, a franchise around a quarterback that I think people like you, talent evaluators, think is a can't-miss potential superstar in the league. And here's Urban Meyer. He goes, I'm going to do it. And this is a guy that talks about how he can't stand losing. And, I mean, you know, he lost nine games or whatever at Ohio State and however many years. And and here's a guy that in the NFL, you're going to lose games. You're going to lose games. And and when you're kind of restarting, when you're doing a rebuild, you're going to lose a lot of games. And, and there's a lot of work. It's a harder job, more hours, the whole deal at the NFL level than the college level. You don't recruit, but everything else is there. Um, what do you think drove him to, to do this? Well, I think he hit it. I mean, I'm not surprised that he didn't have the itch to coach because I knew that was going to be there. I, I, I thought and always felt like he likes the flirtation. He likes to – you're right. He loves the coaching. So at least, at the very least, talking to people at Texas or at Jacksonville or the Chargers – uh, I mean, and the, um, uh, the Chargers, yes. Um, by the way, he did speak with them, too. He likes that. Football people like that. You like to learn. You like to get in. You want to – it just – the fact that he decided to do it – well, and I realize there's a window, but my thing is the, the combination of um, – I know he's got Florida backgrounds coaching Florida folks. I get that. That really has nothing to do with anything. It's more of – Okay, the owner is very patient. The owner is very rich. Most of them are, but not this one's willing to be patient and spend money. But, you know, he sent some signals out about he's going to control the roster, meaning the owner. And so I, you know, I, obviously that ain't happened. I mean, Urban is the head coach. He, like Bill Belichick's the head coach. Uh, Urban will hire the general manager. The general manager will work for Urban Meyer. Urban will have final say. Um, they may not publicly kind of couch it that way. That's the reality. It's like Saban was at Miami. It's, it's not taking it otherwise. You wouldn't have considered. Um, money's great and all that. I mean, look, I I guess Shelly Nim said, yeah, it's fine. I My concern is if that issue with the cysts on the brain, I, I, I can't answer that, but that was the thing that I was always told that he always said that, I, I, you know, I can't deal with that. Well, I, I don't know if that's changed. I, I haven't heard that it has, but so look, I'm happy for him. I am very excited to see how it works. I'm not sure that if I were Jacksonville, that's the move I would have made. Okay. I know it's a PR move and all that. I don't know. That's the, I think it can work and I can go into details. Some of it today, maybe down the line of how it can work. Um, and I'm not sure that that was the best situation for urban. However, let me say this on the other side. If you're going to have a chance to win in this league, there are a number of things that has to happen. He's going to have to, he's not been around the league. So he's got to have to have a fast track learning and he's going to need a lot of people to help him. And he'll have the resources to do that. The other thing is you better have a quarterback. Well, they're going to have one and uh, likely a very good one. And if he can stay healthy, they'll have a really good chance. Folks, if, the doctors approve the hiring, uh, the 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 medicals of Drew Brees. Drew Brees and Nick Saban are still in Miami, and gosh knows what's happened with Miami and New England competing against one another. Alabama, we don't know where they are right now, but they're not winning all these titles. The Saints never win a Super Bowl, and Sean Payton's good, but he doesn't have Drew Brees. There's a whole world that changes, and that happens in every level of football. The what if game is fun, but so. If you I'll, get, I'll, add, I'll add a what if to that. I don't think the Saints are even in New Orleans anymore. If that happens, uh, well, yeah. Well, who knows? Um, I know that that Tom Benson wanted to move them to to San Antonio, and that's um, that's that's a great topic for one day. Remind me about what happened in an owners meeting one time, and and Paul Tagliabue saved um, the, the New Orleans, but keeping the Saints. Uh, but um, it, it, it's a learning curve. For Jackson, for for Urban, it can happen. Got to hire the right GM. Maybe somebody like a Ray Former, somebody that's experienced as a GM that can help Urban. But Urban's going to make the final say. The biggest thing he's going to have to do 
is develop a culture. It's, it's tougher to develop a culture in the NFL because in college football, you can get the best players, you can recruit them, you can develop them, you can develop great uh, cultures, um, uh, great, great cultures. Now, what's difficult is when you get players that make a lot of money, you have to understand that the best way to describe it is in college, you're at a major type program. You're like the filthy rich people. You know, the people that have, you know, three and four homes and, you know, all the cars and all the toys and, it, and they spend it and they don't even need to worry about spending it. You know, they just, it doesn't matter. It can waste money and it really doesn't matter. They're just filthy rich. Then you have the people that are, that are very well off that, you know, they might have a summer home. They might have two homes, but it may mean that they've got a smaller boat or no boat, or maybe they only have four cars instead of eight. You know what I mean? It's different. The NFL is like the latter. You can't, you have to make decisions. So like, for example, they'll get Trevor Lawrence. I expect they'll be pretty good. If they do a good job drafting with all those picks, they'll be very good in a couple of years. By year three, if Trevor Lawrence is as good as we thought, they're going to have to put a big time contract. And all of a sudden that means you're going to lose a lot of the core that you built and you're going to have to redo it constantly. Now you say, oh, we got to do that in college. You got to do that in college, but you can go get anybody you want. And everybody's developmental and everybody's young. Now you're having to do it with young guys against all it's tougher, you know, see Seattle Seahawks. Good. Pete's done a great job there. But the reason why they won a Super Bowl was because of Russell Wilson on a rookie contract, because they had Russell Wilson who was advanced from maturity level standpoint, and they had all the cap room to spend on a lot of parts on a great defense. And it was great. Once they had to pay money to Russell Wilson, they couldn't spend as much money in other areas and they've been good. They've just not been great, but they've been good. So that's the challenge of the NFL is you can build it. You can be good, but can you do it? It's, it's definitely him wanting to prove it. It's not a lot of guys have been successful. Um, there've been some that have been Tom Coughlin has won at both. They didn't win a national title at BC. You don't, but you got Jimmy Johnson. That was good. Pete Carroll's done a good job. A lot of guys have done a good job, but a lot of guys haven't. And I think from an opportunity standpoint, um, they've made a commitment to do even more with their facility. Shotcon's got a ton of, ton of money. Um, and he's willing to spend it. And he's been really, really patient again. So I'm excited to see it. I'm hopeful that it'll work. But I have a lot of concerns. Is Urban going to be healthy? Where is that? How is he going to mitigate that? If that was a problem in college, how is it not going to be a, a problem in the NFL? I mean, assist is assist. It doesn't go away because you're – I mean, I don't know if warm weather makes it better. You know, I, I don't know. Somebody has to, you know, so there are concerns I have, but yet I'm very hopeful that it works out and it's going to be a lot of, it's exciting. It'll win the press conference, Neil. I, I, and I think it's Chris, it's going to sell tickets. And I think that's a big part of it, but I don't think you make the move. If you don't think it's going to win, they Great. think it's going to win. And I think he can do some good things, but remember it's different. Tom Coughlin went in and changed the culture. Tom Coughlin drafted very well. Tom Coughlin had the Jacksonville Jaguars in the conference championship game just a short time ago, and then it cratered. Then you got the Jalen Ramseys of the world and other guys. I want my money. I want this. He's going to have to deal with a lot of that. You don't deal with that in college. You don't deal with that. You deal with players that want to get to the league. Now you're dealing players that are within the in the league that are making money, and you have to deal with that. And you have you're going to have to learn that, regardless how much I like this player, at this position he's only worth so much. There's a ceiling of which you can pay him because there's only so much money to go around cap wise. So I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm excited, and uh, I know you want to get into some of the staff. Issues and questions. Here, let's go here. Ashton Ashton Riad says, uh, "Any idea as to uh, who Urban may hire as coordinators? Are things too rocky between him and Tom Herman to pick them up?" <laughs> too rocky, yes. Uh, and Tom Herman has never coached in the NFL. Here's the thing: the offensive side, Urban is going to have more of a say so. So there's a possibility it could be one of his guys. It could be a Brian Johnson. It could be a number of guys that can basically run what Urban wants to run. 
because that's Urban's deal. And the big thing is culture overriding and all that. But then he also wants to have a strong tie to the offense. Where I think it's going to be interesting is the defense. My opinion needs to be an experienced NFL guy. Somebody maybe like an Anthony Weaver with the Texans that he's got some background with for me with, but experienced coordinator. I, I You cannot. It's a different game. And I think you, you take an entire – you know, college staff and they're all learning. I, I think you got to mix that. I think you got to mix, you know, and, and urban is great at hiring a staff, good coaches, good CEO coaches adapt. He's not going to hire all college guys. He's going to put the right mix. And I think it's going to also start with, with, you know, hiring a good GM too. But I mean, I think there are a number of people and I think there'll be, a, you know, it could be, a guy like, you know, not coordinators, but it could be like you could see a Kevin Wilson or a Charlie Strong end up there. Uh, guys that that are comfortable, that can teach like they want and could be part of a staff. But putting that together with the right guys and the right coordinators, and I think the right mix of guys that can help you in the NFL thinks going to be pivotal too. I'll throw some names at you that I've I've heard could end up on his staff. And this is people speculating. Obviously, we're I mean, this is so fresh that you have to acknowledge that a lot of this is just rumor and people fill fill vacuums with rumors. I'll get to it here because this is what I'm curious about. Yesterday there was a report, I don't know whether it's valid or not, that there was a, a list of people that that uh Eli Drinkwitz was looking at at Missouri to be his defensive coordinator. One of those names was Chris Kiffin, who's the defensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland mm -hmm. Cleveland plays on Sunday in Kansas City. It's a two oh five game. So um, you know, odds are the the Browns season ends on on Sunday afternoon. And so Chris, who's kind of rebuilt his reputation after some of the problems at Ole Miss that frankly were not his fault, um, he's going to have some opportunities. One of the reasons I bring that up is because early in the process, I'd heard a lot of scuttle that Lane Kiffin, the coach at Ole Miss, wanted to bring Chris to his staff. Obviously, Chris is not going to leave an, a successful NFL team where he's the defensive line coach to go be a defensive line coach at the college game. He's only going to move up if he can be a coordinator. I, any chance that um, DJ Durkin and Urban Meyer get reunited in, in Jacksonville? I think he's just one of the names in the mix for a position. In my opinion, not as defensive coordinator. I think he'd have to be like a linebacker coach. Now, that's my opinion. That would be my advice on it. I had, can't tell you that I've heard that he's going to do this or that. I think DJ's really good. Again, I'll point to the Marvin Lewis's, the Anthony Weavers of the world, the Tara Austin of the Steelers. Those are guys that, to me, in my opinion, needs to be high up on his list as NFL defensive coordinators. Different game, man. I different. Yeah. I think DJ would be really good, um, and I think he'd be good on the staff. Uh, but I could see that as a possibility on his staff. But man, there's a whole bunch of names like that, and I don't know where it's all going to settle. He'll have a lot of options there, and I just don't know where he is on that list. I'm curious to see. I, I, look, I think I think Chris is a legitimate candidate in Missouri, Chris Kiffin. I also think there's a lot of a lot of not smoke. I think I think there's some fire there, but I also think there's a lot of smoke with fire. What I mean by that is it's a not that Lane doesn't have complete control to do what he wants, but it but it kind of gives him hey a a, 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 a a school in this league wants him as a defensive coordinator. It, it helps him a little bit that it's not just a, you know, a brother move. It's a really good coach, which I mean, I think people, football people know that, but I think administrators, uh, I'm curious to see, because I do think Chris matches up pretty well with the other candidates at Missouri, which are Charles Kelly and Mike Stoops, both analysts on Alabama staff. Um, you know, David Gibbs is a guy with experience that I'm guessing they're not going to go with, but I guess they're going to compare with because he's in-house. So we'll we'll see how it plays out there. But I'm curious to see because I, I couldn't imagine Chris not wanting, if he had the opportunity, not wanting to go to Ole Miss. But you're bringing up something that's important. 
when you hear things, pay attention to the underlying theme behind it. You may, it may bypass you out there folks, but when you hear things, coaches, if they can, they won't fire a coach on their staff. They will try to get them a job before. And so often when you see a guy leaving, people are mad at Oh, team A, they're running away from that school. Well, very often it's school A is, you know, trying to get them to land a job because it's a lot easier to get a job when you have one than when you don't. And so I think that, you know, there's maybe some of that with, with, maybe DJ and trying to bring Chris in. So I'm curious to see how they, and I think part of that is, Hey, look, Chris's other options. I'd like to get this done. You know, whereas I think probably the administration is probably thinking, well, he's your brother. I mean, how hard is it to hire your guy? You know, some of those guys don't have a clue. Well, you know, there are other people that want you. I'm just curious to see. I do think Chris is a legitimate candidate, in Missouri. I just, I'm curious to see how strong he is. Maybe, maybe the guy, the, uh, 49ers have hired D'Amico Ryans, the former mm-hmm. Alabama player, as defensive coordinator. I use that as a segue to get to Alabama. Alabama wins the national championship on Monday night. Since then, uh, you know, it's we. It, this happens every year to Nick Saban, and he can he'll say things about it, whatnot. But the, the truth is, this this happens all the time. When you're successful, people try to emulate your success. They try to take your people. Steve Sarkeesian, as you mentioned earlier, the new head coach at Texas, he's uh started to fill his staff out, still working on some things, still, I think, uh, working at the defensive coordinator. Here's here's my question. I keep hearing a lot of scuttle that, that Pete Golding, the Alabama defensive coordinator, is, is going to uh, likely head to Texas. That's what I keep hearing. I'm sure you're much better informed than I am, but tells me that uh, Golding's days in Tuscaloosa are probably numbered. Yeah, because, and i tell you why, Pete's name has been thrown out for two or three options. So, that means that's agent play for leverage. Multiple people want you. And it's, let's just call it like it is. Um, if if Nick really wants him to stay, he would stay. Now, let me say this. For Pete, it would benefit him probably because for whatever reason, I, you know, well, let me tell you the reason. We know because of the Alabama offensive success. Sark is a genius. We love him, but that you know that scoundrel Pete Golding's awful. Well, it's not the case. It's the style and the pace is going to lead to that. You know, the defense coordinator at Ole Miss is always going to get criticized, right? Because you know the offense is going to be elite. Most defensive coordinators are going to get criticized because you're giving up a lot of points. Pete's running Nick's defense. If the defense is good, Nick gets credit for it. If it's bad, it's Pete Golding's fault. Sure. Being able to go somewhere where you can be the guy. Like if he were to go to Texas, he would be the defensive coordinator for the head coach who is going to coordinate the passing game and probably have somebody help him coach the quarterbacks, but he's going to be the head coach and coordinate the passing game. And Kyle Flood's going to coordinate the run game. And Pete Golding would be able to run the defense. If, if Pete Golding goes to LSU, which he's kind of tried to, you know, that, you know, he's from Hammond, Louisiana. Um, you know, so the names there suggest to me, the, the fact that he's the name of teams and that he's interested suggests to me that he's probably not going to be there. And let me just say this. Nick is aware of every guy that he would like to, push out the nest and move on and who you'd like to bring in. And there's very few times where, including the strength coach, <laughs> oh, that's your, that was all, oh, oh, my God. He had enough of the strength coach being, you know, Mr. Celebrity type. And he didn't, you know, he went out and hired somebody he thought was better. And he pushed a guy out and, there, and he let everybody, you know, the arrows come to him that, hey, look, you know, he got out and went to Kirby. Well, that that was not didn't catch nothing catches Nick by surprise, and he's got all things lined up, and it's just a matter of who he wants to select. He knew Kyle Flood was gone with Sark, and he knew Jeff Banks was going to go. Jeff Banks is going to make a million dollars as the assistant head coach, special teams coach, and tight end coach at Texas. So great for him. Um, so Bill O'Brien's going to be there. Um, 
I would think I, I'm pretty certain right now that Jeff Stoutland is going to replace Kyle Flood on the offensive line. What it sounds like. And I think, you know, we're going to see some other moves that are going to be made, including some analysts that want to become involved and take some of those roles because they may lose a Mike Stoops or Charles Kelly or both. They've already lost a, um, 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 Gosh, I'm drawing. I'm I'm, I'm drawing, a, drawing a blank. Um, I'll, I'll, add, I'll add a name to it while you're thinking about it. Uh, Bruce Feldman reporting this morning in um, in, in the Athletic that uh, the Marshall head head coaching search is hmm. focusing on three names. You yeah. got Charlotte coach uh, Charlotte coach Brad Lambert, uh, Alabama associate head coach, running backs coach Charles Huff, and Louisville offensive coordinator, offensive line coach Dwayne Ledford. And I've heard just just talking to some people, I've heard a lot of buzz about Huff with Marshall. Yeah. Huff is is definitely in play there, and Butch Jones is just on my left to go to, oh, to you know to Arkansas. State. I mean, so those are all people that, and he doesn't have to replace them with similar guys, but but he's got a lot of places, and he's one of the things he's done, and the ad the advantage that he's built for himself is that just like with Sark, he bring guys in in different roles, an analyst role, and he can gauge their personality and chemistry and things. So you don't ever have to say with him like. Hey, do you think Bopolini and Ed Orgeron to get along? I don't think so. Well, they he he's already figured that out because it's usually somebody that he's been involved with before, and he's got the lay of the land. Plus, he's as the head coach, you know, nobody misbehaves in the room, you know. So it's kind of one of those things where I, I I Alabama fans as they always are. I don't know why they're they're apoplectic. Trust me, that's the one place I'm not worried about. For them, yeah. no, they'll get whoever they putting want. Things they'll get who they want, and they'll get it right. And if they don't get it right, they have means to be able to adjust to it. Remember, Tyce Lapoy, defensive play caller. In middle of the season, nobody knew about it. Pete Golding start taking over the play calling with Nick, and they did that seamlessly. And you know, it still made it all the way to the championship. I mean, you know, it's like you know, so the 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 variable ups and downs are not not as. Uh, precipitous for them yeah no question um we'll use woodshed king has a question here we'll use it as a transition he says is ryan nilson lsu's target for defensive coordinator we heard a lot about uh zach arnett there you just mentioned pete golding uh, lsu as far as i know as of this morning still searching for a defensive coordinator what's the, what's the latest there he is one of the guys they've got a couple of other guys that they are still working on that are still in the mix. Um, but he is uh, he is with the Saints. He's a D-line coach. Uh, he has some familiarity with them. Uh, uh, the speculation that he is the guy is because they're still playing, and why haven't they hired a guy yet? Well, Zach Garnett, that didn't work out very well either way. It didn't sound like the interest or the fit was there in, in, in both ways. Um, but there's some other, there's some, uh, look, there's some other names because I think there's a possibility that, um, that Ryan may not take it. So they, they're considering, by the way, could I answer this one too above? Cause Blake said something to you, Neil, I think a D line coach at a top college makes more than a D line coach in the NFL. No, sir. Not even close. NFL makes more money. The only people that make more money right now, look, even even like you you get head coaches make more money, and you know colleges certain colleges make money. But you gotta remember something now, you know you kind of you start at like five million. In the NFL nobody makes. I mean everybody's making five and six and eight and ten, and Urban will make close to twelve and all that kind of stuff. Uh, coordinators, you know, are starting to make like you you notice two two and a half three million. Now in college, that's big. They've been making that in the NFL. Line coaches, they make a they make a lot. You you will get position coaches making one five, you know, in 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 the NFL. Major colleges, um, well, I just said Texas. They're paying an assistant head coach a million. So no, no, I'm just just want to let you know. And I'm not trying to be rude. They're like, but I mean, I know what those guys make. That is. I'm not saying you can't point out an individual here or there. Alabama is an exception, maybe some people, but well, and, and here's no, no, the money. The money's still a lot more. And here's something else, Chris. The NFL pension money is great for a coach if you can get it. 
And and so those guys, those guys want if you're in the NFL, you only leave the NFL for a promotion elsewhere. It's gotta be, it's it's got to look like a promotion on your resume so that if one day you need to go back to the NFL, that's easy to do. Once you're in the league, it's it's a lot of times it's hard to pull people out of the league once they get into it. And also you get coaches who get tired of recruiting. Absolutely. And and I'm going to tell you that the thing, this NIL stuff and all this crap and all this transfer portal, these college coaches are saying to hell with this. This is, this is lunacy. This is ridiculous. It is is nuts. You know, and they say, I just didn't go in the NFL, make more money. Do like Neil said, get your pension. And And by the way, and I'm just, you know, this wasn't when he was talking about for people will know, unlike, College. Now, here's the thing about college: you can you got a lot more leverage in college, so you can hold somebody hostage in in college and say, "I'm the D line coach at Ole Miss, and I'm going to go to such and such a place. I'm going to go to Missouri, whatever, or vice versa." You can leverage your way and make more and and get the money to move up in the NFL. If you're a D line coach with the Buccaneers. You can't take the D-line coach job for the Bears unless the Buccaneers give you permission, unless your contract runs out. You have to go by a by a promotion, and it has to be legitimate. You can't go, for example, and become a coordinator in title, but you don't call the plays. That won't be allowed. And that's closely monitored in the NFL. It ain't at all in college. So you can you can gerrymander a whole lot of things in college. The NFL, there's close scrutiny in checks and balances, um, but the money, it's still better. Now, you know, and again, Urban made tons of money. He's going to make double what he made at Ohio State. You know, um, it's it's just, you know, it's a lot of money, a lot of money. I mean, you know, just, um, I mean, Sean per- Payton has been making $8 million a year since before, you know, he won the first Super Bowl. I mean, it just, you know, it's it's a lot more money there and, and the, assist, the assistant coaches. So if you're going to be a line coach in college, you're going to, uh, in the NFL, you're going to be a coordinator, got to make coordinator money. You, you can't go, I mean, you got guys in college, even at a major college where, you know, your your secondary coach, really good one, and you're making maybe, maybe at a big time program, you can get 800000 you know, 700,000 type. Switch to Tennessee and some other schools in just a minute. First, I want to tell you this podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of the brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all. Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. It is your trailer-specific professionals. If you want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailers being built today. Fully primed and powder coated, Load Trailers come with an industry-leading three-year warranty and two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties also has Hallmark Cargo Trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to markets and shows. ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. For podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. Alpha has a full selection of trailer parts and accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They also do all types of truck accessories. So listeners can also get 10% off a yearly trailer service and inspection at Alpha's full-service shop, and they can also repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. So give them a call at 601 601- 
832-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. That's A-L-P-H-A of ms.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about Alpha on this podcast and on the MPW Digital Network of podcast. All right, Chris. Hey, Neil, can I jump right before we go to Tennessee? Just a couple of NFL news that I think the, the folks would like. Sure. Um, I know we got a couple of questions talking about the Jags fan are so mad. Uh, well, I don't know if they're maybe some are mad about Urban and some are thrilled. I don't know. That's fans. Um, the Jets are happy. Uh, Robert Sala. The, the Jets have the major culture problem. Robert Sala is a great, great young coach with the Niners. Uh, Neil just mentioned that D'Amico Ryans was promoted to defense coordinator up on that staff because Robert Sala has taken the Jets job. That's that's a that's a really good hire that Joe Douglas made. The Lions uh, hired their GM, uh, Brad Holmes. Look for Brandon Staley to be big time in play. The defensive coordinator of the Rams are playing this week. That that might be a really good combination to pair. And also, I just got this confirmed. Not that he's going to accept. But the Falcons have offered Arthur Smith their head coaching job. Um, oh. Arthur Arthur has got a few other options. What's really interesting is that I don't know for I believe Terry Fontenot is going to get the GM job. I would hope that Rich McKay and them. This was done with the understanding of because because hiring a head coach and then not having the head coach doing the interview I, that that doesn't make any sense. So. I would think and hope that's been collaborative. So let's see if Arthur Smith takes the Falcons job or he is hot for still a few other openings. I just wanted to get that in and uh, before we jump to the next topic. All right, let's get to the next topic, and that's Tennessee. <laughs> Kevin Steele, after one unsuccessful coup in Auburn, goes to a place <laughs> in Tennessee where uh, – <laughs> There's all sorts of coups that being attempted uh, there in Knoxville. What's what are your thoughts on on Kevin Steele joining the Tennessee staff? Well, first of all, we ought to hear something real quick on Jeremy Pruitt because yesterday Jeremy Pruitt met with the lawyers, the investigative body that they're paying like five hundred, six hundred dollars an hour in lawyers to. So they should know something. They should know whether, you know, Jeremy's stories match up to the other people because they interview the head coach last to figure out, you know, see if the stories match up. So I don't know, maybe by the time this weekend, maybe, again, figuring out Tennessee's very curious. The It's above Philip Fulmer on what the call is going to be on Jeremy with the NCAA. Obviously, that, that university president, Chancellor, that's making that call. They're the one that put the hiring freeze. Well, Philip uh, went to the president and said, look, we got a chance to hire a guy that was a finalist for this job. That is somebody that Jeremy's knows and likes, somebody that I know and like, and is going to be paid handsomely by Auburn for a while, and we can get him very inexpensively. We need to hire him for, <laughs> and this is this is where it's typical Tennessee. So you know, Philip tells Jeremy, "Well, hire Kevin." You know, they work together at Alabama, Jeremy and Kevin, so they're close. And you know, Kevin can be a real asset to help you because there is a possibility. People that say that Jeremy Pruitt is absolutely gone. If he was absolutely gone, Neil, he'd already be gone. Okay. That yep. is going to be determined. He may be gone. Because, ah, you see, I tell you, no, you didn't tell it. If he was already going to be gone, if the decision was made, they're not sitting there with anything more important to do up on the hill. They're still trying to decide based upon it is probably maybe looking for a way to move on from him and limit what they have to pay him because. Normally how this stuff works is, look, Jeremy, here's what we got. Here's what the NCAA says. Here's our situation. Here's what we got to do. You're owed 12. We're willing to pay six. We want to make the lawyers rich or we want to get a deal. That's how that stuff works. So I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it ain't real complicated. Jeremy's either coming back or he's not. And it's going to be 
a result of the NCAA because the on-the-field product hadn't been real good. If the on-the-field product was great, they'd be figuring out ways to keep him. They may be figuring out ways to let him go. But the Kevin Steele hire was, hey, Jeremy, this guy can help you. This guy can be a part. He's been a head coach. He's been around. You're comfortable with him. He can help you. Staff management things, be a confidant. But he also, to the president, Phillips saying, if we decide to move on from Jeremy, we got a guy we can turn to here. Somebody that can be part of a staff if they were to go outside, which I don't think they will. But this enhances the chances of somebody that can they can turn to right down the hall and say, you're now the head coach, Kevin Steele. In that typical Tennessee, they've got it kind of figured out, and it's he's got one of their own. Kevin, of course, is from South Carolina, went to Furman before he transferred to Tennessee, played under Johnny Majors, loves the school. He's coached there before as a young coach. He's been around forever, been around a whole bunch, been in Nebraska, and he's been with Saban. He's been everywhere. So there you go. Kevin Steele, what's his role? We'll get back to you on that. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It is nuts. I'm All right, a little uh, little. Transfer news, SEC-related. We try to touch everything uh, breaking in the last few minutes. Wandale Robinson, who was the leading wide receiver at Nebraska this past season, is uh, transferring to Kentucky. You may or may not remember Robinson was once committed to Kentucky in the recruiting process before he ended up at Nebraska. He uh, entered the transfer portal on Monday, saying that uh, he wanted to move closer to home as his mother dealt with issues related to her recovery from uh, – COVID-19, this all coming from Mitch Sherman, who covers Nebraska for the uh, for the athletic there based in in Omaha. So big uh, and, and Wandale Robinson has subsequently tweeted something about it as well. So big pickup for the Wildcats who uh, need needed some weapons on offense and he, he should be one uh, moving forward. Yeah, that's big for getting uh, you know, Wandale. Well, and two, that's the other thing uh, you've had now. Two guys, Ty Chandler leaving, going to uh, North Carolina. I mean, they're losing players and they're losing, you know. Well, if you're at Tennessee staff and you got another option, well, friend, and you know, people may say, well, get rid of, you know, well, yeah, <laughs> they're looking to, I mean, you don't know what the situation is. You don't know who the head coach is. And if, let's just say Jeremy Pruitt comes back. I mean, we're anybody sitting here thinking that, you know, hey, next year is going to be a pivotal year for him again. Um, and yet we're not even sure at this late stage if Jeremy's coming back. So no, that's interesting. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this, uh, where this plays out. So you got anything else on the college or, or pro coaching ranks before we get into the games this weekend? Um, I'm trying to think what else, um, you mentioned some name for urban. I mean, I think Chris Ash might be also in play too. I think I mentioned Tara Austin, Charlie strong on the staff, maybe Kevin Wilson. But not for coordinators. Um, oh, I, you know, I don't know. I keep hearing, I keep, excuse me, I keep getting asked about that I don't have any answer to, but I'll mention it since I keep asking, since people keep asking about Kevin Sumlin joining Nick Saban's staff. And um, I don't know. I don't. At first blush, it doesn't, you know, but people said, what would he do? Well, he he could coach the tight end position. I don't know. I think it's maybe could be staff. You know, it's one of those things where I could see him being more analyst. Yeah. He wanting to be one of those guys that, you know, rejuvenates his career. I can tell you this, work work ethic better go 180 from from the job he did at Arizona to 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 working as an analyst for Nick, but I don't know what to make of it, but I get asked a bunch of it. So, Oh, Oh, Joe Panunzio, uh, has been around, been involved. Don't be surprised if he's back on Alabama staff in some way. Uh, no, someone, it's a, someone is an offensive guy. Joe has kind of become uh, almost a, a, a little bit of a security blanket for Nick Saban. He's, he's been with them a couple of times. He's gone to the NFL. He kind of comes back. He's someone that, I think can can kind of help run a program from the inside a little bit. Can can massage some things. Kids love him. Saban trusts him. Makes some sense. Um, and he is one of his best recruiters and best player relations guys. Nick says Joe has done 
the best job of anybody's ever had on staff of convincing guys to come back for another year. So a lot of those guys that say, come back one more year. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of Nick and it's the conversation, but it's, you know, obviously as you normally do, you have some of your assistants who can go and kind of, you know, away from the scene, have lunch with them, talk with them, convince them of that. But uh, yeah, uh, big Ben asked about, isn't someone the defensive guy. Ironically, you're not far off. Kevin Sumlin played linebacker at Purdue is always coached on the offense and was a coordinator, good offensive coordinator at Oklahoma and led to him getting the Houston job. And remember he put that in that, that really good um, offense at Houston was having a lot of success, went to A&M and was the guy running the offense with A&M with Manziel. And he was just to go to show you how quickly you can go from the mountaintop and fall um, it, it was, I can remember being asked, oh, is AM going to lose Kevin Sumlin to the Texans? And it's this and that. And now, now we're talking about Kevin, whether he can, whether he can get an analyst job on Nick Saban's Alabama staff, <laughs> but, but he's been well paid for, that deal was a nightmare. All right. We'll get to NFL playoffs in a moment. I, I do want to touch on this because we don't, we don't touch on it very much and we're not to the point of the year where it's super compelling, but full slate of sec basketball this weekend. In case you're curious, Georgia is at Ole Miss, all of these games on Saturday. That's an 11 AM game, uh, Georgia and Ole Miss both struggling Ole Miss one and three in the league, Georgia, zero and four in the league. So a, uh, an opportunity for those two teams to pick up a win Missouri who, uh, had some COVID issues. They're one and two in the league. They go to Texas A&M. The Aggies uh, two and three after a, a one-point win over Mississippi State earlier this week. Kentucky is at Auburn. It ought to be a real fun game right there. Kentucky three and one in the league. Auburn one and four, but the young point guard for them, Sharif Cooper, is absolutely exciting to watch. That'd be an, an entertaining game at one o'clock. Uh, Arkansas is uh, two and three in the league, kind of off to a shaky start after a really good non-conference start. They go to red hot Alabama, Alabama, 10 and three overall, but five and oh in the SEC. Nate Oates has the Crimson Tide playing at a really, really, really high level. Another good game. Florida is uh, at Mississippi State. The Gators coming off a comeback win at home over Ole Miss on Tuesday night. They're three and two in the league. So is Mississippi State. So a big opportunity for both of those teams. Uh, Vanderbilt, winless in uh, league play at 0-3. They go uh, to Tennessee. The Vols 3-1 in the league, 9-1 overall. A team that has real second weekend uh, or beyond uh, possibilities there in Knoxville. And then the final game, the uh, night game tomorrow night, South Carolina. Only played one league game. They have been just ravaged with COVID-related issues. The Gamecocks, 3-2 and two overall, 1-0 and oh in the league. They go to LSU, LSU playing exceptional basketball right now. LSU, Alabama, Tennessee, the, the, the class of the league at this point. LSU, 9-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in the SEC. So those two teams get together at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. They're in Baton Rouge at the Maribich Assembly Center. So that's your SEC basketball hey, update. Real, real quick, can I ask you? I know real quick we'll go to the NFL. Real, real quick. Um, how bad is the Kentucky situation? Is it, you know, I know Cal always brings them back. It looks like maybe this is different. Maybe it won't be back. One, and how good is Alabama? Because I know. Yeah. Alabama's really damn good is what they are. They 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 are exceptional. Um, they're, they, they have bought into Nate Oates' system. Very quickly, they'll suffocate you on defense. They move the basketball. They have, and they're also very athletic. He's kind of, he's done at Alabama what he did at Buffalo, but he's been able to get more athletic players, bigger, longer players, and, and it shows they're 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 an exceptional team in the league. And look, Kentucky's four and seven, but they're three and one in the league, and they look really good. Um, I'm not ready to write them off yet. And they're the teams they lost to were all really strong teams. So we'll see. I mean, they're gonna have to be they're gonna have to be exceptional. There as Woodshed King is right here. He says, uh he says Kentucky's guard play is shockingly bad. They're really young. It's a bunch of young kids, couple of guys, BJ Boston, who's gonna be taken high in the NBA draft. It's it's some of that. So We'll see. Um, 
I'm not ready to write them off yet, but the three best teams in the league right now, probably in this order, are Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee today. All right, so we let's, let's get to the NFL. People want people love this weekend. <clears throat> Absolutely, it's my favorite weekend of the uh, NFL season. We'll, we'll take these games in chronological order. Chris, give give us some some thoughts on what to look for here. We'll start. On Saturday afternoon, 335 Central on Fox, it's the Los Angeles Rams at the Green Bay Packers. The line that I've got is the Rams, a six-and-a-half-point dog. Well, we know about Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, explosive offense. They're at home. Don't have a bunch of fans. Weather is going to be pretty cold. It always is. But it will be in the afternoon. It's not a night game, which is a huge difference, believe me. Trust me. Yep. Um the issue is, and, and again, I thought it was a really good, really, really good defensive game plan, as it has been all year long for the Rams and Brandon Staley. Um, he's a bright young coach. I think he's going to get one of these head coaching jobs. He might. I think he's the favorite for the Lions job. He's given up. That defense of the Rams has given up 17 touchdown passes all year long. Uh, Devontae Adams is caught 18 by himself. Something's got to give from the something's got to give department. That's going to be real key. The Rams have got to be able to run the football. I think you can run the football on the Packers. The issue is, are you getting taken out of your run game because you give up some explosive plays to Aaron Rodgers? He extends plays. He makes plays. You're down 14 in this league. Your run game is done. I mean, you are now throwing it. And that is not a formula for the Rams to compete. I don't think the Rams can control the game well enough, long enough to win. But that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to be able to run the football, play balance, you know, mitigate the running back situation, run their condensed formations, attack the Packers. And I think you can move the football on the Packers. I think you can run it on the Packers. That's going to have to be their success. If they do that, and they limit the possessions, Staley may be able to come up with enough stops to make this game really interesting in the fourth quarter. If they don't, they can't do those things, then it's going to be the pack in a walk. All right, the night game, going to get some snow. I'm looking at the Buffalo forecast on the National Weather Service right now. Snow flurries and snow showers, a low of 33. Winds west-southwest, 15 to 25 miles per hour. Chance of snow, 50%. Snow accumulations less than one inch. Higher wind gust possible. So weather will be a factor in Buffalo when the Bills play host to the Baltimore Ravens. This game, 7-15 Central Time on NBC. The Ravens, a two-point underdog at Buffalo, which is really one of the fun stories in the NFL this year. Hey, my friend. I lived in Cleveland when I worked for the Browns, and I made that trick from Cleveland to Buffalo a lot. That whole area, uh, uh, (laughs) chance chance of snow is, yes, always. I mean, June, there's a chance of snow. Uh, 33 is warm. Uh, 33 at 8 o'clock at night Eastern time, that's balmy over there. That's that's a break. Uh, It's certainly, you know, uh, uh, but snow flurries could be interesting. But here's the key here. Buffalo's the more complete team. They're the better team. They've got a quarterback that can throw it. They've got a great receiving weapon in Stephon Diggs and other really good complementary weapons. They can run the football well, like their defense. I think they're very good. It's it's one of the top two secondaries in all of football. Uh, they're very, very good. In this game, how does it play out, though, against a Ravens team that's playing well, playing with confidence? Lamar Jackson is a freak. He, you have to defend him like a running back. They've got a plethora of running backs, not including Lamar Jackson. You throw him on top of it, it's defend the run, defend the run, defend the run. So the strength of the secondary is mitigated to some degree. Look, in in a, in a similar way, but a little bit different styles in that, Baltimore struggles when they got to play from behind. So it's why they struggle like when they go up against a Kansas City and Kansas City scores points. Baltimore having to score quickly, running two minute it, it, with a passing game, that's not their strength. But I think they can have enough balance offensively if they play this game near the line of scrimmage all game long, 
Baltimore can come up with enough explosive plays in the run game to make this a game, to make this a threat, and have a real good shot. And I wonder if, you know, the moment with Buffalo still being young, whether the moment will get to them. Buffalo's the better team. I would go with Buffalo because they're the better team, they're the more complete team. But I do think that Baltimore is playing with some confidence. And I do think that Buffalo, uh, that Baltimore, in their right game where they can they can force the issue, this game could be close. Still would go with Buffalo here. All right, switching to Sunday, my buddy Grind on the uh, in the chat says, should I put 100 on the Browns just cause? Cleveland is a 10-point underdog at Kansas City. This game on Sunday, 2.05 Central Time on CBS. The uh, Browns go to Pittsburgh, score a bunch of points, win a game, and they get rewarded with the trip to Kansas City to face the defending champs and Patrick Mahomes. The last two times on a big stage that Patrick Mahomes and um, 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 Baker Mayfield got together. <laughs> the final score was like 70 to 60 something. It won't be like that, but there's a chance for some fireworks at, at Arrowhead on Sunday. You think the 17 and 18 drafts with young quarterbacks in the AFC paid off? Yeah. Um, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Do we have to talk about that right now? I mean, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I what I like to do, we're going to do an extra hour on how the Bears passed them over. That's what we're going to do later. But Friday morning, it's pretty outside. It's a nice day. I'm in a decent mood. I I told you before we got started that I felt a little worn down today, and you have to throw the Trubisky thing at me. Here in the final minutes of the show, I mean, I, I, I just did, I you we know, kind of guy, kind of guy I am. Um, yeah, I don't grind. I mean, a man of your means, you could probably throw a thousand at it. I mean, what's what's money to you? I mean, from you know, and Neil tells me you are a man of great means, from what I understand. <laughs> um, sure, why not? Listen, I, I would say the argument for that is a lot of points, huh? Ten points is a lot, a of lot, a lot in the NFL. That's a whole lot of points. You don't see that. Kansas City has let teams play around. They've played in a lot of one-possession games. So is that a regular season thing? Is it a boredom thing? Is a Do they come out in Kansas City? Let me tell you this. If Kansas City plays their A game, 10 points won't be enough. It'll be a 17, 13, 17-point 17 win. You'll wonder how, you know, the I'm not a big turn-it-on-and-off type of guy. In Kansas City, even in last year's playoffs, come from behind against Houston, come from behind against Tennessee. They come from behind, come San Francisco Super Bowl. I think Kansas City wins it. 10 points is a lot of points, though. Um, I just get the feeling that Cleveland kind of had their big moment last week. And that, you know, Kansas City's always vulnerable because a great offensive team could have a bad game. So, yes, it's possible. It would be a huge, huge, huge upset in my mind. Kansas City, I think, wins it. But, you know, I don't know about the 10 points. I'm, I'm going to leave that up to you. All right. The last game, and, boy, this is uh, – I mean, you, <laughs> the people at Fox are like, yes. I mean, this has this has all sorts of sex appeal. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, fresh off a playoff win in Washington. Head to New Orleans to play Drew Brees and the Saints. Fresh off a playoff win over the Bears. 5.40 Central Time on Fox. Get prime time here. Uh, everybody's tired of politics. Nobody wants to turn that on. You get this game. You get the, a great escape from the real world here. The Bucks a three-point favorite. Uh, Big Ben-ass Bears covered, right? Nope, the Bears did not cover. The Saints, uh, the Saints covered that line. Um, Bucks, a three-point dog on the road in New Orleans. You know the storylines. It's the quarterbacks. It's the Saints having to beat the Bucks for a third straight time, all that stuff. Potentially the swan song for Drew Brees. But probably, almost certainly, the last time these two quarterbacks square off against each other. I mean, there's a, there's a lot here. Yeah, you know, we talked about the young quarterbacks. You take those four quarterbacks we talked about. You add their age. It comes to, like, I don't know, 98. You add these two quarterbacks in this game, and it comes to, like, 85. Um, so the first thing that people will say, all right, how did this game look, but these two games look on film when these two teams played? the saints really controlled the games. They defensively, they gave, they took away the run and they really caused a lot of problems for Brady. 
I, I will, the Bucks have progressed and played better. They're getting Gronk a little bit more in the game. The running game's finding itself a little bit. So beware of that. Well, you you know, the, the Saints look better in the two games. They're going to do it again. They can do it again, but they're going to have to beat a better Bucks team. I think they're going to see a team that's playing better now. Well, you can't beat a team three times in, in in one season. Well, yeah, you can because out of like 21 times, 14 times, they have. I don't care about that. If I'm the better team, I yeah. you know, no problem beating them. But this is a little bit closer than those first two games in my mind. So I don't think it'll have anything to do about, well, you can't do it three times. I think that Sean Payton is going to have a different game plan. I think he's the most creative play caller um, in football. But I think it's this. I think the Saints defense, and then how much better can the Saints offense get? I know that Kamara didn't practice last week. They let the Bears hang around a little bit longer. I thought the Bears played well and hung in there and and, and had – I never felt they were going to win it, but they always had a chance. The Saints have a way of doing that. They did that against the Ram Rams in the – infamous, you know, no call interference. They did it with the Vikings twice when they outplayed the Vikings, both in the Minneapolis miracle and last year, they have a way of doing that. Don't do that again. If you're the saints and give Tom Brady a chance in the fourth quarter, you it's, it's going to be a problem. I don't expect this game to be a blow. I expect it to be close, but I think it's down to this, the running games, because the saints are successful when they can run it run it with Kamara, have balance, work the screen. Kamara, Michael Thomas, they've got maximum weapons. That's when they can really be successful and they could get coverage to cheat up a little bit and then Breeze can go deep. The Bucs have got to run the football better than they did the last two times because that's going to slow down the Saints pass rush. The Saints defense is the biggest untold story about that team. It's about Breeze. It's about his swan song. It's about Peyton. It's about the offense. It's about Kamara. It's about a great offensive line. Teron Armstead is graded out as good as any left tackle in football. Yes, it's great offense. Their defense is really carried them, and it only carries them when the running game is going. So I think it's going to be outstanding because of the storylines, but I think it's got a chance to be outstanding because of the teams. But I'm going to tell you, if the Bucs can't run the football, it's going to be more of the same. If they can, game on, fourth quarter, and hang on to your hat with two Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, it's going to be an awful lot of fun. One of them is advancing. One of them's probably coming back in Florida. And Drew Brees is probably going to be announcing on NBC next year. So it's a lot at stake here. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun game. I'm, I always love this weekend. Uh, the basketball game I cover is early. It all works out perfectly for me. It's almost like somebody, it's almost like somebody out there knew that you were going to do the Mitch Trubisky shot and put me in a bad mood, and then I was going to be reminded that my weekend worked out perfectly. So I know. Hey, look. Hey, but the good news, the good news is that Trubisky, Nagy, and Pace are all coming back. So maybe. Is, there's good times ahead. Maybe things will get better. That's what that's what we hope for for the for the Bears that they can get better. You know, it's it's like that, and it's like you know Michigan and Harbaugh. New contract will take a haircut, a pay cut, and maybe things will work out. That's that's what we hope for, and that's we wish the best for you with that with the Bears thing. I know you don't care about the Michigan thing, but the Bears thing is close to your heart, and I, I want the best. I do. I, I seriously do. I want everybody to win. I, I you know. Yeah, I can I can feel the sincerity in your voice. On that note, we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna leave. Um, I'm angry, and uh, I'll stop there. Have a great weekend, by the way. Have a great weekend, and I will have my postseason breakdown of the Bears up pretty soon on Landry Football. So look out for that with all the free agent targets. Hey, look, there's always next year. There's always a chance, and I'm not giving up on them. Yeah, thank you. All right, we're gonna we're gonna let it go there. That's Chris Landry. I'm Neil McCready. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll recap the game. Great weekend, everybody. Yeah, have a great weekend. We'll talk uh, the latest in the coaching stuff. Y'all be safe out there. See you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Bye. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.